want to talk to you today about desperate times call for desperate measures. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We're in Luke 7, and you know, I don't know if you kind of pick up on this, but growing up, I was a pretty lively kid. Uh, I was mischievous. I kind of got into a few things from time to time. And uh, I'm actually, I want to confess this, I'm actually supposed to be six foot eight inches tall. (laughs) But my dad said, I'm going to knock you down a few notches. And here's what stands before you today, because I was knocked down a few notches one too many times. And this is what you get. (laughs) But I went to a daycare that is one of the greatest daycares that ever was in Alamance County. It was Ingle Hill Hill Daycare right over here, not far away. And it was, Miss Ingle spoiled us to death, made food for us. She had this one cabinet that was like manna from heaven. She opened it up and it was full of candy. It was just full of candy in there and you got to pick anything you wanted out of that place. Well, that place, since I lived most of my life there, both of my parents worked eight to five jobs. They were just regular. Uh, My mom worked for Bell South. My dad worked for Bell South. My dad climbed poles and ran under houses and did things, but they both, both taught me what it meant to serve. So Pastor Brian's gift is, is teaching and uh, encouraging. My, my gifts are like leadership and serving. I just love to, to serve and be involved and, and uh, help things run and make things run better and put things into systems and make things flow like they're supposed to and help people find what they need to. Uh, and occasionally I get to speak and share and so I'm thankful for today, but I, I got to share just a little bit about me. At Ingalls, I would get in trouble nonstop. And if you were like me, if, I, if it was Ingalls, if it was church, or if it was school, I don't know if you guys were like this, your parents were like this to you, but if you got in trouble at any of those places, what happened? Got in trouble at home. Okay, there's a few of us like that, right? You couldn't, you know, and my teachers, they'd put tape on my back and I wasn't smart enough to figure out I could just reach back and pull the tape off. But my, every time I got in the car, my mom would be like, did you get any tape today, right? And, and just about, I mean, they used a whole roll of tape on me, you know. Uh, I remember one time I, I had to grab my ankles in the middle of the cafeteria in front of everybody and that was when corporal punishment was allowed. Maybe we should go back to that, I think, maybe. Just, just a thought, but... Uh, because it didn't hurt me, uh, it, it really helped me uh, because I was a wild child and I needed to be toned down a little bit. Uh, but they wore my tail out in front of everybody in, in the cafeteria. And I want to say I was embarrassed by that, but I really wasn't. Maybe I just enjoyed the tension, I don't know, or I just didn't care. I don't really know what it was. Um, but I, I, was, I was a problem child. And one day uh, at Ingalls Daycare, I did something that warranted a spanking, and I wasn't alone in getting that spanking. I had a friend beside me, his name was Chris. And Chris uh, joined me that day, and the only problem was the spanking that I was gonna get that day came from the hands of someone who had a lot of power behind them when they were gonna spank me. And so I, I was worried, to say the least. Uh, that I wasn't going to make it. And so I did, you know, desperate times, desperate measures, right? When you're in desperate times, they call for desperate measures. I did what any strong man would do, and I started bawling my eyes out. (laughs) Right there in in the, I mean, I said, please, please do not spank me. I mean, I was begging for whatever reason. I knew this one was going to hurt, and I did not want it. 
And all of a sudden, Chris, he spoke up and he said, I'll take his spanking. And I said, no way, for real? You're gonna take my spanking? He said, yeah, I'll take his spanking. And desperate times, desperate measures, I did what any strong man would do. I said, I'm gonna let you do that. <laughs> and sure enough, I did. And sure enough, she did it. She spanked him one time and then spanked him again for my spanking. And I thought, this is unbelievable. I have just found a way to get out of spankings every time. As long as Chris Baker is with me, I'm good. I'm covered, right? He's going to take my spanking. But no, that's not how I wanted to act and be. But man, I was so thankful at that moment and at that time, desperate times, desperate measures. Let me ask you this. You ever been in a desperate situation? You ever had a situation that called for a desperate response or a desperate times? Maybe... It's an unexpected diagnosis that you just got or have had. Maybe it's a loss of a business that you put your heart and soul to in years. Maybe your marriage is on the brink of divorce or is struggling right now. Maybe it's a child that's making a poor decision or a bad decision in their life. Maybe you're nearing bankruptcy or it could be maybe a world pandemic that we all just went through with no information, but death tolls rising and we're wondering what in the world is going on. Maybe you just need God to come through and show up for your family and do something incredible. Well, today, this story that we're going to read in Luke chapter 7 calls for those desperate times and desperate measures. If you have your Bible open to Luke 7, we're going to start in verse 36, 36 of Luke chapter seven reads this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. A certain immoral woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, this proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God really sent him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his, his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the time I first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. 
So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's some things that I want to draw out from this passage of scripture that I want to talk to, to you about and through. And then there's some things that I want us to apply to our lives to say, how can we take this? Because scripture is always there to teach and guide us. And God is always trying to show us something from his word. And the question is, are we going to do what James says and look at it and forget about it and go, go our own way? Are we going to really do what it says? Are we going to do what scripture says? And that's, that's the crux of all of the Christian life. Jesus is calling us to do what he said. When he called those disciples to come follow me, they had a decision to make. They had a choice. They had to get up and leave their livelihoods and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know what's going to happen, where I'm going to find my meal, what we're going to do. But I'm going to trust that where he leads me is going to be in the best interest of his kingdom, what he wants done, what he wants to make happen, and I'm just going to follow. And I believe... God's still doing the same thing today with all of us. He's still calling people to follow him. He's still calling people to, to pursue him, a relationship with him, so that they can impact their world right where they're at. For some of you, it may be in the business world. Others, it may be as a teacher and, and impacting students' lives and cultivating a, a, a godly relationship there. All of us have been called to various uh, places of ministry, and all of us have been gifted with talents to do various things. The question is, do you answer the call to do it God's way, or are you trying to do it in your own strength? I believe this story kind of paints a picture that desperate times call for desperate measures and the level of our desperation leads us to a place to go and do something about it or to just be an observer and say, ah, not for me. And far too many, far too many people, I believe, they believe that following Jesus is just a spectator sport. That you watch what everybody else does and that's for everybody else. But I believe God is looking for people to totally sell out, to give their lives completely to him and say, here's my life. Do with it whatever you want, it's yours. And that's what we're gonna talk about. There's a few things that I wanna point out to us. The first thing that we all need to realize and understand here is Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you. That's a good thought, but it also can be a scary thought, right? I mean, Jesus knows me. Well, according to what Simon was thinking, he knew Simon's thoughts. That could be another scary situation, right? Because it says that he answered Simon's thoughts, but he knew that he was being invited to a Pharisee's home, a religious guy that knew Torah, that knew, understood everything there was to know about the law, he knew where he was going when he was invited to this guy, Simon's home. And he recognized and saw that this host knows what's happening when this woman comes in because he recognized who the woman was. And the scriptures say that she was a certain immoral woman. But here's the, here's the reality. 
Jesus knows us intimately. He knows us. He created us. He formed us. It says before time began, he created us and formed us in in our mother's womb. And he knows that we are born as sinners, every one of us. This woman who was labeled a sinner, obvious she's a sinner to everyone else, but also this Pharisee who thought he knew everything, he was in the same boat. He wasn't any better than her and she wasn't any better or worse than him. You see, for all have sinned, all have come short of God's glory. God's glory is like that ceiling. And we can't ever, no matter how hard we try, we can't jump up there and grab it. We can't reach it on our own. It's too far away. We all fall short of that. You see, both were sinners. The difference is one recognized, in, recognized the sin in themselves but didn't really see it in others. The other recognized it in others but never saw it in themselves. You see the difference? The difference is it's easy to point out everybody else's sins and everybody's flaws and never see it in yourself. This woman, she recognized, man, I, I'm a sinner. And Jesus saw them both. And here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of it. Jesus ministers to both. Jesus ministers to both people in a way that allows them to hear his voice and respond. You see, the response is what comes after we hear what's being said. And we always have a choice. We always have a choice to respond. See, if the wages of sin is death and all have sinned, we have to do something with that. Once we know those things, that I'm a sinner and admit that I'm a sinner and what I get, the payment, the paycheck that I get for sinning every day is death, I'm gonna die. It should cause me to think beyond today. It should cause me to think about eternity. Where will I spend eternity? And here's what I think Jesus is trying to say to us from this fact that he knows us. I believe he wants us to be bold. To be bold. You say, be bold, what does that mean? Be bold with our own sin. Be bold with our own sin and not, not to be bold and here, here's my sin, but to be bold to admit that we're sinners that we struggle, that we're not perfect, that we need Jesus every day of our lives, that we are not gonna try to act like somebody that we're not. We're gonna be authentic. We're gonna be the real person and say, hey, I struggle just like everybody else. Being a pastor doesn't keep you from struggles, doesn't make you immune to that. In fact, I feel like many times they come harder And I have to fight for the things that are right. I have to fight my attitude. I have to fight my just not being happy with things from time to time. I'm not perfect. I stand before you imperfect. Let's make that clear, all right? And I know that I'm not looking at perfect people as well. And Jesus understands that. And that's what's so great about Jesus. 
He's good to us. He's patient with us. No one is perfect, but that's why we need the perfect one. Because if we know the perfect one, then we get put on us, his perfection. It doesn't mean we always live up to it, but it means when God sees us, he looks at us through the lens of Jesus. He has to look through Jesus to see us. And when he looks through Jesus to see us, he sees us as spotless and clean and pure before him. And every day that we wake up, I'll just prove it, show it with my light guys so they can't do it. When I step over here out of the light, if I can get far enough out, right? I'm not being seen, so to speak, right? I know you can see me in here because there's some ambient light, but I'm not in the light. But when we line up with the light, when we line up with who Jesus is, God sees us as spotless. But when we step out of that and into the darkness, like scripture says, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We would rather stay in the dark and do our evil deeds than come into the light and say, hey, here I am. I'm not perfect. I struggle. And Jesus is looking for people who will say, I'm not perfect. I struggle. And I need you, Jesus. And I'm going to line my life up with you today. I'm going to get in your word and read just one passage. If it's just one passage and I'm going to write it down, I'm going to put it on a note on my phone and I'm going to take a screenshot of that note on my phone and it's going to be the screensaver that day. And every time I pull out my phone, I'm going to look at that screensaver and say, this is what Jesus told me about who he was today. This is what Jesus told me about me. Because I'm lining myself up with God and now I'm seeing like I'm supposed to be. And here's what happens. Here's what I know. When I get out of that, it affects the people around me. It affects the people I work with. It affects the fam my family. It affects my attitude. It affects everything about me because I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be lined up and be seen through the sinless, spotless lamb of Jesus. And that's why I need him. And that's why I need to be bold in my sin to understand that God made me, he knows me. And he made me to make his name famous. And if I live my life to make his name famous, then it's not gonna be about me, it's gonna be about him every step of the way. Here's something that we say in our house all the time to our kids. Mess up, fess up. I can deal with it. I can't deal with lying. But if you mess up and you admit it and you say, hey man, I, I, dad, I'm sorry, I got this wrong. But my kids would say, this, this is the line that would always get me as a father. Um, I haven't had to spank them in quite some time. Um, but when my kids, I, said, I would say, hey, daddy's gonna have to spank you. They would say, can I get grace? I was like, oh, yes you can. It was so tough. They like used scripture against me. It was like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, uh, but that's what we have to do with our sin. We have to be bold with our sin. When we mess it up, go to the person we've messed it up with and make it right. Go to God and say, God, hey, I've wronged, I've wronged you here. Ultimately, I've sinned before you, God. And I wanna make this right because I want that relationship right with you. That is the most important relationship that I can make right. And then, you know what he says? When you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. You know what'll happen? Things around you will just start 
happening like they're supposed to be. You'll start talking kind. You'll start acting kind. People will start noticing a difference in your life and it will make a difference. I gotta hurry, I'm just on point one, but I could keep talking about that forever. Jesus knows us. Aren't you glad Jesus knows us? So be bold with that sin that you're dealing with, that you're struggling with. Nobody's mad at you. Nobody's mad at you for your sin. We're all sinners. Where, where upset comes is when you choose to wallow or lay in that sickness or that sin and don't confess it. Come clean. Jesus knows us. Second thing, this is great. Jesus meets us right where we're at. In, in our sinfulness, in our mess, in our junk, in everything that's going on, he meets us right where we are. You see, Simon thought he knew God. He had studied all the books about God. Maybe you know, you've read your Bible cover to cover. You know all that the Bible has to say about God. You can do that and still not know God. Simon's proof. He knew all about God, but he didn't know God because he didn't see God that was living right in his home, that he invited over. You see, Simon was an analyzer and he liked to watch from a distance and kind of keep tabs of everything and what's going on. How this person's acting, behaving and doing and like I'm the, I'm the one who's kind of in charge of making sure everybody acts orderly. Anybody know anybody? Oh, never mind, don't, don't answer that, right? But he was an observer and he made a judgment call about Jesus. You see that? You see that in scripture, he made a judgment call. He said, when the, in verse 39, when the Pharisee who was the host saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, this proves Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him, then he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. He passed judgment on who Jesus was. And he made a judgment call about him. But the thing of it is, Jesus knew that. And Jesus was gonna meet Simon right where he was at. Right what he was thinking, he called it out of him with a story when he told him. A man owed 500 denarii and another owed 50. And they couldn't pay. And the debt was canceled. Who loved more? Obviously, Simon, the only judgment that he made that was correct that day was answering Jesus' question. The one who had the greater debt, but he didn't get the story. You would think someone that that analytical would understand what Jesus is trying to say, but he was so concerned with everybody else's sin and everybody else doing what they're supposed to do that he didn't make it personal to him. You see, Jesus met him right where he was at. But then in a beautiful, beautiful fashion, it says that Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, you see this picture? This woman who's broken at Jesus's feet, he's talking to Simon and asking this question and then all of a sudden he directs his attention to this woman. And he said to Simon, verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. 
When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the time I first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins and they are many. Jesus knew her. Jesus called her out. Jesus knew why she came to his feet, that she needed something that only he could give. Forgiveness of sins. And she came to the right place. And Simon, who was just a few feet away, was in the right place, but never saw it. He never got it. You could be in the right place right now, hearing what I'm saying and never get it. Or, just as that woman, you can come broken and humble. Say, God, I, I need you. I'm desperate for you to show up. You see, that woman was broken and she came near to Jesus. Scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This man who was prideful had every intention. All he had to do was say, hey, that's me too. Let me get down there and serve and admit that I'm, I wanna honor you with my mouth, but my heart is really far from you. You see, Jesus spoke to that woman's needs and she needed freedom from the weight of her sin. She needed hope, she needed healing, she needed help, she needed rescue. And she found it in the person of Jesus. She knew the right place to go. And that woman was impacted by Jesus' words that brought freedom to her life, that brought peace and purpose. You see, God demonstrated how much he loved us. He showed us how much he loved us by murdering his own son on the cross. That's a great love. Because as I got three girls, and I've shared this before, if I had any one of my girls hanging over a cliff and I had everyone else in this room on the other, I was that strong and I could only save one. You better believe I'm going to save my daughter because I love her. She's mine. But God chose to let his own child go so that he could pull all of us to himself and all of us could have forgiveness of sin and come to him and know him and have peace and have freedom and have life and have purpose. He's offering those things. But you have to do something. No, you're not working for it. But you have to humble yourself. And so many people, hell is full of people right now who refuse to humble themselves. Who refuse to say, I need help outside of me. And Jesus is saying, unless you come like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Humble yourself. Need him every day. Wake up and tell him, I need you today. Before my feet hit the floor, God, I need you. Before I walked up here, God, I need you. I need you to show up. I need you to speak through me. I know this is what you gave me to share with these people. I'm not sure why but I'm doing what you called me to do. 
I need you. You see, when we're humbled by the fact that we need him every day, we realize that each and every one of us are really just one decision away from walking away from God. That's all it takes. It's one decision to say, I'm gonna do things my way. Titus says that once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generally poured out this spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because of his grace, we are, he has made us right in his sight and gave us the confidence that we will inherit eternal life. You see, Jesus meets us right where we're at, but ultimately he's calling us to humble ourselves, to come before him, to tell him that we need him each and every day. Thirdly, Jesus responds to faith. Jesus is looking for people of faith. When Jesus walked the earth, it said that he marveled at one thing, people with great faith. He struggled with those that doubted, even his own disciples, even the own people that followed him, even right up in, when he showed himself and revealed himself to those disciples after he had resurrected. It says at, at, at the end of Matthew, they worshiped him, but some doubted. You see, Jesus operates in faith. And what may not seem clear we can trust when we call on him and ask for him to show up that we can have faith that he calls us to have. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, Hebrews tells us. And that woman knew, if I can just get to him, everything can change in my life. Do you, do you see the boldness that it took to step into that place? It wasn't even her house to show up to a man that how desperate she was to get to him. But he was going to get, Jesus was going to get her worship that day. She came prepared with her little perfume that she was going to pour out on him to tell him, you're the one I love. You're the one I need. I need you to forgive my sins. And Jesus, as she knelt behind him, weeping at Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair, wiping those tears away. Jesus saw that her sins, they were many, but they were forgiven because he responds to that faith. It was clear she was desperate over her sin. He later at the end says, your faith has saved you, go in peace. What an incredible blessing to walk in with the weight of the world carried on you and to walk out light as a feather, knowing that your sins are forgiven. You can do that today. 
You can have your sins forgiven. You can be made new. You can have correct standing with the Father in heaven because of what Jesus has done. But it's not gonna be through doubt. It's gotta be through faith. See, all throughout that scripture, the doubt of Thomas, the doubt of Peter, when he started to do it, walk on water, Jesus said, why do you have little faith? You could have done it, you can do it. God is looking for people of faith to do great things for him. There are people that need to hear the gospel from the life that you live that I'll never be able to connect with. I'll never see, never know. But you, by showing up and being a person of faith, can display what it looks like to a lost world who needs hope and healing and help. James says that faith without works is dead. But I would submit to you works without faith is religion. And there are too many religious who have all the answers to what God's word says, but they're not doing anything with it. So what would I say to that? If Jesus responds to our faith, be extravagant. Be extravagant with your worship, with your faith, with, with Jesus. Get in his face daily and say, God, what do you have for me? Who do you have for me today? What is my mission today? Show me, give me an opportunity. When I open your word and I read a passage of scripture, let me chew on that and then let me share it with somebody today and see what you're gonna do in their life. They're gonna be encouraged because I worked out my faith. I was extravagant, I didn't hold it back. I was bold. See, Jesus says, she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiving little only shows a little love. See, what the world sees as waste, God sees as purpose. And you may say, I don't really have much to offer God. That little boy with five loaves and two fish didn't have much either, but it fed thousands of people because he was willing to share. You don't know the impact of your faith and your extravagant worship and your extravagant love toward others, what it could do to the people around you, what it could do to your home, what it could do for your life. Jesus says, Paul said in Romans, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. There's some of you that need to do that today. Last thing I wanna point out is that Jesus is in the changing business. Aren't you glad that Jesus is in the changing business? Amen? There's those who have been changed, no. Those who have not, you can know. You see, when, when she came to Jesus, she walked away in peace. She came to him broken. She came to him hurting. She came to him weeping. 
but she walked away having her sins forgiven and in peace. She knew how much she was loved by him. She loved much. Simon loved little. I submit to you that the greatest thing Jesus changes us. The greatest thing that could happen is that all of our sins be displayed right up here on this screen for everyone to see when they come in. And it just rolls and it just shows everyone's sin up here. Because if everyone's sin was listed up here and shown or displayed, you wouldn't have to fake being something that you're not. You'd just be real. You'd be authentic. You see, that's what Jesus does. When he changes us, we don't have to hide any longer. We can step into the light. Because you cannot have an encounter with Jesus and not be changed. You just can't. You can't have a true encounter with Jesus and not be changed. Because Jesus doesn't just save a part of your heart. He doesn't just save part of your life. When he comes in, he takes over and he leads and guides and he points and he tells. You see, the lost become found. The unforgivable becomes forgiven. The lovers of self become compassionate for others. She walked away, sins forgiven and at peace with God and you can too today. So I'd submit to you, Jesus changes us. Be a big time lover of God and people. Be a big time lover of God and people. You see, everyone has something to offer. A life giving to Jesus is never wasted. It's useful to the king. And you do not know your one simple act toward others can have an eternal impact. And I'm not just talking about loving the people that love you back either. Jesus said, that's, that's easy to do to love the people that are far from him takes Jesus being in us to love that person. And when he's in us, we can see him the way that Jesus saw this woman, not as a sinner, but as someone who needed hope, healing and help and forgiveness of her sin. See, love will make you do crazy things. That woman is proof. Because love is always looking for a way to express itself. And Jesus is always looking for a way to express himself, to express his love. And as followers of Jesus, we should always, in the same light, be looking for ways to express our love for God. You see, greater love has no man than this, that he's willing to lay down his life for his friend. 
I'll never forget what Chris Baker did for me in taking my spanking. A spanking that I deserved. But it just points even more so of the spanking that Jesus took from me on the cross when he bore all my sins. Not that Chris took that one punishment. Jesus took all of my sins on the cross and they can no longer be held against me. And you can have that same freedom and that same forgiveness. Would you stand with me as we close out in prayer? I've asked these guys to sing. And just offer it as a time for you to do what you need to do with God. You see, I believe there's something important just as that woman walked into that scary place where she didn't know anyone and she was willing to do something extravagant and bold. She wasn't ashamed. I think there's something, there, there's nothing magical about this place, but I think there's, there's something that God does in us when we say, I'm, I, I wanna take a step toward you, God. And maybe, maybe you can only take a step over to the next seat today. Hey, that's a step. But maybe you can come to the front and say, God, here's my life. I want you to take it. I want you to use it. Maybe you need to say yes to Jesus. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm gonna give you that opportunity. Say, I wanna know Jesus. Here's what you need to know. Admit that you're a sinner. Tell God right where you're at, God, I messed up. I need your forgiveness. And say, God, I want you to lead this life. I'm tired of doing it myself, but I humbly come before you broken and need you. Would you fix what's broken in me? You tell him that. And then say, God, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna line my life up with who you are so that God sees me through your eyes and I have forgiveness of sin. And then by faith, tell him this, thank you for saving me. Thank you for doing what I can't do with my own life. If you did that, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand I just think you ought to tell somebody, maybe around what God's done for you. Maybe come down here and ask for prayer with some of our team that's down here ready to pray. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and pray today. But here's what I know. I was a big sinner. I am a big time sinner and I plead guilty. But I have a bigger savior. And for that, I am grateful. So as they close us, with this song, you just take time to do business with God. You can do it right there in your seat. You can come to the altar. 
good. Come pray with these guys. Just do what you need to do right now.